Welcome to Karura's Weekly Podcast. Our hope is that your spiritual life will be fruitful as you listen in. We start in 3, 2, 1. So as we are 27 years old, what is it that we are really celebrating? We are celebrating the church. We are celebrating the gathering of people coming together as one community um, that, that, that Jesus has brought together. That is the church and that is us, you and I, as the believers, um, the followers of Jesus Christ who gather here on a weekly basis. Just like, you know, we heard from Reverend Martin as he was introducing, he was saying, you know, we are 27 years old. And he was claiming that 27 years old for himself um, as a church member, um, even though he came much, much more recently. You know, he was in the 10 to 15 year category. Us guys took a eh, 27 year category. But it is a celebration about this family that God has brought together and that he is working in. And you know something? It is Jesus. Not only did he bring it together, but it is Jesus who is working here. And, and I, this is something that, you know, straight in the scriptures, we are, you know, Jesus actually made this promise where two or three are gathered in my name. Where will he be? Right there among them. And Jesus is here. Jesus is here. We've seen him. We've seen him at work in the things that he has been doing. In John chapter 15, verse 5, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing at all. You know, absolutely nothing can be achieved without Jesus. You know, people cannot become more like God. People cannot even learn how to please God. They cannot worship God. You know, we cannot grow. We cannot become fruitful. We cannot serve him. If we want to achieve anything that God is going to value, that is going to matter beyond, you know, everything that God, in, in his own eyes, he's going to say that is something that is fruit. We have to be connected to God. We have to be connected to Jesus. We have to be in the vine. Jesus must be present. You know, you've heard a little bit of what has happened over the last 27 years. You know, just a small measure of what Christ has been doing. But, but I tell you guys, you know, Jesus is here. I am, I am privileged to be a front row observer of the things that God is doing within the church, within your lives, in my life, in the life of, of this church as a community together. And I can tell you this, there can be no other explanation for the things that have been happening. It is Jesus Christ present among us, working among us and working through us. You know, it's been absolutely amazing. Like you would expect, I've been looking back, um, seeing the things that, 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 that God has done. It's absolutely amazing. From just one person, you know, thinking about, you know, God's vision for a church in this area to the time when this church has grown and become all that it has, it has become. It has become a, a transformational influence, making a difference in other people's lives. God has been present in all of it. In all of it. Jesus is here. And we have seen him. He has been building his church. You know, looking back and, and seeing one of, the, one of the passages I really like, whenever we are planting a new church, I've often gone and, and, and shared from the book of Matthew, chapter 16, where Jesus says that he will build his church. You know, Jesus takes that responsibility. Um, let's look at Matthew 16, verses 13 to 19. 
the Bible says when Jesus came to the region, to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you? He asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the Son of the living. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, do you see what happens? You know, when you acknowledge that Jesus is the Christ, that he is the Messiah, he is the king. You know, Simon acknowledged him and, and Jesus is like, Bas, this is what I needed. This is what I need. You, Peter, are the one I'm going to start this work with. And I am going to do something that nothing in heaven and on earth and under the earth, in, the, in hell, nothing can stop. You know, when you confess Jesus, God starts to work in you and through you. And when he is Lord over our lives, and what we want is to accomplish his will. You know, when you say he is Lord, what you're saying is, I want to serve. I'm going to obey what you want in my life. And, and when, when, when he is Lord over our lives and our desire is to accomplish his purposes, his will for our generation, he will use us. He will work in us. He will work through us and make our lives fruitful. You know, for us at Karura, the story started with, you know, one person sharing the idea of the, the, the need of a church in this, in this particular area. This was at Nairobi Chapel, where, you know, during a membership class that was led by David Gatende and, and I. And a few months later, the elders commissioned the two of us to start this work. We recruited five other, uh, other people to form the leadership team. You know, friends and people from this particular area. And the seven of us and our spouses became the nucleus around which the church began. And the rest is history. Now, both David and I were 33 going 34. Interestingly, we were both engineers. You know, David was continuing, but I was shifting pro professions. Um, I had just moved into, in, into working for the church. I was an intern at Nairobi Chapel, also helping as an administrator. And I was a fairly young believer. I'd only been a believer for, for five years. David was a veteran. And, and so he became the chairman, and I was the Tuamkono as the, as the interim pastor, um, together with that leadership team. And, and maybe Jesus is speaking to you, even as you hear this story um, of mine. And he's stirring in, he has been stirring in your heart, you know, to step up and into something new, a new level of, of, you know, of engagement for him. This is the testimony. It's not about ex being experienced or especially brave. It's, it's just trusting God and moving forward together with him, to obey him. You know, if you are moving in obedience to Jesus Christ, you are walking together with him, he will make you fruitful. You will bear fruit. 
You know, one of the earliest memory verses that I had actually just, you know, just as I was being called and I, and I was recognizing that God was calling me to serve him, you know, to use my mouth, to use my skills as I, as, as I worked, you know, for him, even as an engineer. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 4 to 6, you've probably heard me read this, talk about this passage before. You know, such confidence, the Bible says, such confidence we have through Christ before God. Not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. God's presence in you, the Holy Spirit at work in you, that is what makes you competent. And where does our confidence come from? That, that confidence that will enable you to take that first step, it's we have Christ. It is confidence through Christ before God. So we can step forward and serve him. And God's life-giving spirit is the one that is in us, making the difference. Guys, it's not about how good you are, you know, at all the regulations and knowing everything that needs to be done. It's embracing the Holy Spirit. The one who gives us life as your leader, as your counselor, as, as your support, as the strengthening of your life. He will enable you to grow and produce fruit that matters to God. You know, we also live in God's promise. And in May 1996, when we were receiving our first ever registered members as a church, we received this promise from Isaiah 42 through the elders of Nairobi Chapel. God told them to come and speak to us and tell us what he had previously promised the Messiah. Isaiah 42 verses 5 to 7. This is what God the Lord says. The creator of the heavens, who stretches them out, who spreads out the earth with all that springs from it, who gives breath to its people and life to those who walk on it. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and will make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles, to open eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison, and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness." Now, do you see how God starts there in this, in, in, in this by just introducing himself? I made the universe, you know? I made everything that you see. I made you. I'm the one who gave you life. And this is where we find our guarantee. You know, this is his guarantee. If he's done all of these things, he is capable of doing the very next thing. Those things that he needs to be doing in your life, that he wants to be doing in your life. There's nothing that's too difficult for him. And then he takes responsibility for us. He takes responsibility. He says, I have called you in righteousness. You know, firstly, you know, just thinking about this, this call of righteousness. God has declared you holy in his sight. If you have connected yourself and your life to Jesus Christ, the Bible tells us in the New Testament, so many times you are saints, you are the holy ones of God. He no longer looks upon you on the basis of your sin. He looks at you on the basis of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. You are viewed that way. This is how God has declared you. I have called you in righteousness. And as we hear that word called, you know, remember, you know, there's so many people who I, who I find this just amazing thing that we, 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 
we are in Christ and yet we feel so small and, and helpless and unable to do. And we feel worthless. We feel worthless. And guys, you are chosen. This is what it means when God says, I have called you. You are chosen in Christ Jesus. You are chosen. You are select. You're not Raja Raja. Yeah, God created you on purpose for a purpose. And as we connect with Jesus Christ, as you're called in, you get yourself into that purpose. In God, you have been chosen. And then he says, I will take hold of your hand. We're not walking alone. And we're not walking blind. We have a leader who is holding us. And he'll never let us go. God is walking with us. I will keep you. I will keep you. Jesus said, no one can snatch you out of my hand. No one can snatch you out of my father's hand. And he says, my father and I are one. The confidence that this gives us, our place in God's plan, our place in God is unshakable. The survival of the church is, is God's responsibility and he will keep us to the end. Your, your survival as a follower of Jesus Christ is God's responsibility. He has made that. That is the new covenant. He will make you. He will make you. He will put you there. In fact, that's where we have that next statement. And he says, I will make you to be. And God is committed there. To, he's committed to mold us into those perfect instruments that will do the work that he wants for us to do. We will become a community that blesses, that heals, that frees, that, that gives light to people. A covenant community that helps people know that there is a place in God that can never be shaken. A covenant community that brings transformation to everyone that is in need. And the Bible has told us also that God's promises are Yes, and amen in Christ. And that is our testimony as a church, as the recipients of this particular promise. Um, and by the way, when you're hearing that is a promise to our church, you are the church. This becomes your promise. Embrace it. Embrace it. And these, these are the things that, 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 that he, has, he has done. You know, when you think about those milestones, I will take hold of your hand. Yeah, it started before even the church had been launched when this idea was there and people were obeying and we were starting to step out. One of the questions we had is, where are we going to meet? You know, where will we, where will we be able to start a church? And it's, an, it's absolutely amazing. You know, Nairobi Baptist, Kumbe, they had also started thinking about planting a church in this same area. And somebody, a member in the church had already, you know, offered their place as a venue to, to start meeting. And when the church heard that we were planning to start, they, they, they decided not to get into competition, but to partner with us. And they allowed us to use that particular facility. It was the Gigiri Kindergarten, where we stayed for six years. And then, uh, very interestingly, just, you know, we were, we, you know, they, the, the owner of Gigiri Kindergarten actually sold, they sold the building and they gave us a notice. They told us, hey, six weeks, it became seven weeks, we were allowed, you know, to, to move out. But just before that, our venue search committee had come back and we had all agreed together, actually, our current location, this is what we ought to by. So God had led us. He had already shown us the place where he wanted us to go. Then he closed that other place and he said, I want you to go now. This is called, you know, being held by the hand. 
And he enabled all of that. We were able to move in the middle of a flood season. El Nino. I've never seen the Ruaca River so flooded as it was that time. And we moved. It was muddy. It, was, it, it wasn't very neat around here, but we had classrooms for the children. We had a big tent for, for the main service, and we were able to get going. It was a miracle. God was holding our hand. And the direction that, that, and vision that he has granted us as a church is, has been amazing. The things that the Lord has been working through us and in helping people grow, God is our leader. God is our leader. He has taken hold of our hand, and he is walking together with us. And he says, I will keep you. And here we are. What other testimony do you need? Yeah? Here we are. You know, and, and you know, no matter what, as I, I was telling the first service, you know, you guys have no idea. You guys take it for granted that church will, this church will be there every Sunday. When you're a church planter, you're showing up on Sunday and you're asking, Lord, will anybody come? You have no idea whether people will come. Because people were also bringing chairs, were being supplied chairs by a volunteer, you know, you have no idea whether there'll be chairs, whether the tent will have been brought, whether people will have set up things. And all of this is God's doing. He enabled all of this to work together. I will keep you. And here we are. And he will make us to be. He will make us to be. He's the one who has formed us in the way that we are. You know, way back in 97, 98, as the church, we were thinking about as the leaders, you know, you know how to really be able to speak about who we are. Um, we, we attended, a number of the leaders attended a, a conference called the Vision Conference, and we just found the language that would be able to take us, you know, forward in, 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 in a way that reflects the calling of God. You know, the, the vision of so many people, Christians has been that you come to church in a sense to run away from the world and that people are coming to to church to be saved so that they are running away that it's an escape that is not the picture that Jesus paints, paints to us even that passage we've read the church is the one which is breaking the gates of Hades isn't it and and we are we come together to find strength and healing and and all of this and we go out and we are a people to make a difference. We are a people called to be ambassadors of Jesus Christ. And guys, you are an ambassador of Christ. Once you are a believer, you are his ambassador. And the and the, the question is really whether you're doing your job well or you're doing it badly. But you are an ambassador. And God gives the right to those people on the outside to look at your life and evaluate Jesus. I pray that you and I will be good ambassadors. We've been called to become like Jesus. He is, he is the picture to which we, that we are painting before the world. And so our vision becoming Christ-like disciples, engaging the world. Um, like Jesus Christ, centered on God, holy in life, righteous in action, integrated in the, in the body, spirit-filled for service, and then totally engaged. Every part of our life should be reflecting the fact that Jesus is part of our life. So as I'm working, as I'm talking to people, as I'm doing whatever it is that I'm doing, it should reflect the presence of Christ in my life. Then I become a good ambassador of Jesus Christ. And, and God has been molding us. You know, through things like that, through the spiritual emphasis campaigns we've been doing, through the, even some of the actions that we do as we seek to serve Christ, it continues to help us to become like him. You know, the Bible talks about, in that passage, it talks about us being made to be a light and a covenant. And, 
Yeah, you've just heard about the church planting, eight churches. There are four active uh, faith missional communities. It's not just two. You have Gedogoro, Mushada, Masabit, and Taita. And then there are others that are in the pipeline. When we think about, you know, the, the, the impact in people's lives, people who are going through crisis. Matthew 25, Jesus says, you know, he's separating the sheep and the goats. And, and, he, and, and what is it that is separating them? It's action towards those that are in total need. Those that we consider sometimes the least of us. So the prisoners, um, people who are unable to feed themselves, the hungry, the naked, the people who are in hospital and, and all sorts of situations, helpless situations, people who are alone and just needing somebody to walk together with them. And God has worked that in you, in us as a community of Jesus Christ, that we are people that step forward all the time in seeking to help. You know, it happens every week. We have people coming here on, on, on a Thursday, Dockers, the poor come and they are given help. We go out into the communities, through our faith missional communities, we are training people in micro enterprises, helping them to start small businesses. You know, we are trying to do whatever we can to help people and to make a difference. 2020, when COVID hit, Oh my, I was so proud of you guys. Because this church became a center. People used to come. There were issues like rent and things like that. They were receiving that. And it was because of the giving and the support of people here. It's just amazing. God has been here. And he's been working. And we have been a people to free others. In 2008, there was this huge thing that, that happened when there was post-election violence out in, in Rift Valley. And there was an influx of, of, of internally displaced people. And one of the places that became an IDP camp was here. And I remember when we asked the church, you know, should we do this? Because there are people in crisis. And the church just said, yes, let's do it. Has this uh, we didn't expect you? that we'd we end up with 300 people living life. on this if campus. You would like to give your life to Christ, and we were also supporting to, another 200 people who were living in community that would come and that would be given food and things. And then, you know, just... You know, you start wondering, will God give us enough? Will we have enough to help these people, this church as it was that time, much smaller than we are now? And God provided. And we, we not only helped those people for, you know, for three months in the camp, and then we gave them an extra two months support wherever they were going, um, whether it was staying within the city or going somewhere else, we're enabling them to settle back into normal life. It's absolutely amazing. We were donating to other IDP camps because God just responded because of our obedience. He just gave so much. And we, are, we, we still enjoy some of those benefits, our borehole. That borehole was donated and the, and, and the license to, to have it dug was, was passed in record time because we had IDPs. And we are still drinking that water. Isn't God amazing? He is no man's debtor. He is no man's debtor. We received recognition and, and acceptance in the wider communities. And then we became a catalyst for churches working together. And one of the big things that I know in my heart and it's in the heart of the church is the unity of, of, of the body of Christ. You know, in John 17, Jesus prayed that we would be united. Just like he and the Father are united. And I pray that we will be a church that truly enables the rest of the church to work together to make a difference in people's lives. And we've been doing this. This is what, you know, being part of Love in the Name of Christ, helping Love in the Name of Christ as, as an organization spread throughout Kenya. It's been amazing. 
we are involved in evangelism, you know, and our disciple making, our evangelism is not just, you know, hit and run. We are committed to be with people and to go on a regular basis, not once, not twice, you know, so that it's discipleship, not just, you know, just going and you preach and you allow the guy, whatever happens to you, happens to you. God sent us to make disciples. And so that's what we go and do. And as we make disciples, we pray that they will enter into the family of Jesus Christ. He, Jesus, is the one who brings them into the family. He's the one who brings about conversion. So here at church, we are building disciples. This is what we are doing. We are working in children, outreach for children, primary schools, high schools. Um, we are in the prisons, in, you know, just so many things being done for outreach. Karura Voices. You know, guys, you need to be very proud of this team of guys. I am. I am so proud of Karura Voices. It's just amazing. And you guys are making a difference, you know, within the church community, Christians, but also the non-believers are hearing something and, and is drawing them towards Christ because of the things that we are doing. We are training people. We are, I mean, it's just, there's a lot that's happening. But the one that make, is most exciting to me is, is, is a ministry called Church at the Gates, where I, I feel sometimes, I, you know, I just don't enable... I don't enable people to really know what is happening. I have the opportunity of being struggle with how do we get all that data and statistics because I'm a numbers guy. I really like numbers. But just getting, you know, it's only what's counted that people do. And there are times when that becomes, you're blind to the fact that actually God is calling you individually to also be, it's not just the church as an institution. It's each and every one of us that is supposed to be serving and I pray that, that, you know, these guys, my successors, Kinner Reverend George, and the others will, will be able to just help do better, you know, than, than I have done. I'm sorry about not giving that information because the more you, your testimonies and the things that you are doing are shared among people, the more all of us are encouraged to do something, isn't it? When I see my neighbor has done something and it's for Jesus, I want to do something myself. And this is how we enable each and every one of us to become those Christ-like disciples engaging the world. Don't hold back. Talk about what you are doing. Even in your small communities, wherever, talk about those things. They encourage each other because that's how we are to sharpen one another. I really pray that, that, that we will multiply our impact. But I know that there is so much that is being done. Um, yeah, I was going to give many examples, but I know that time is already <laughs> over, so I'll not, I'll not go into that. But one of the things you might see from this particular promise is that God has taken responsibility. God is doing the heavy lifting. You know, making you righteous. Jesus died. Yeah? Helping you to become all that you are to be. The Holy Spirit is at work in you and, and keeping you within the family of God and, and equipping you to become all that you are to be. Our job is to respond. Our part is to respond. And Romans 12.1, the Bible says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, as we see what God has done, he says, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. This is where we worship God properly. When we see what he has done and then we respond by doing our part. And God has a call on us. That's where I want to end on this point. God's call on us. You know, today is 27 years and, and, and it's easy for us to say Ebenezer. And that just becomes the center of our excitement. Ebenezer is a very nice word. We... we, we we, we love it, but even as we celebrate 
let's never forget the call of God. It's bigger than where we've reached. Let's look at, where, at this passage where that word comes from. 1 Samuel 7, 11 and 12. The Bible says, The men of Israel rushed out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines, slaughtering them along the way to a point below Bethkar. Then Samuel took up a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shen. He named it Ebenezer, saying, Thus far the Lord has helped us. And as you continue reading that story, one of the things that you will notice is that these guys were happy. And they went back home and they went and became comfortable. They were comfortable just regaining the land that they had lost. They were not looking at God's vision. He had already declared to them that their borders are from the Euphrates down to the Wadi of Egypt, the river of Egypt. But they got it to all of us that we should never forget what God is calling us to. You know, it took more than probably 50, maybe more years for this vision that God had to become Israel's vision through the king, David. When David was king, that became the thing that he, was, that, that he wanted to see happen. And it happened. It happened during his time. So let's not forget. We must keep moving into the land that God has promised into the land that God has called us into, not to turn back in triumph after one amazing battle and forget this call, the gates of Hades. He wants to bring people from there, wherever people are at. You know, just think about where, you, where, where we are and the work that's there. You know, the, Ruiro, the, the Ruaka Karori urban area has nearly 200,000 people just, just around us. And then you think about Nyari, Gigiri, Runda, and other parts within this Nairobi. Guys, it, it can't be about just moving Christians. It must be about bringing in, getting these people out of Hades, in, out of that place where they are doomed, into the place where they find life, the spirit of life. So we must be going out as Christ's ambassadors, using our influence wherever we are. You know, not, it just not, it's not just preaching. It's, it's making a difference. You know, many years back, um, Gatende at that time, uh, he, was, uh, he was our chairman. He was rising within his, his, his company, in the company where he was working. And as he gained influence, he, he became an influencer of the company policies. And one of the things that happened was that they, they, they built up a, a system or a policy that made sure every person working in that company was having a reasonable income. And they were able to live a reasonably good lifestyle. Now that is a Christian bringing their influence to make a difference in other people's lives. And, those, and, and, and there are so many different ways that we can be making a difference because of our influence. Just touching someone's life. You know, that school fees that you're paying, that, that you know, engagement, maybe as a politician, maybe as a banker or a lawyer, or whatever it is that, you, that you're doing. IT today is at the forefront um, how is that being, becoming something that God is using? You know, last year, two years, I think it's now two years ago, we did a study on Ephesians. Um, and, and it really reminded us that you and I, we are made for more. You know, the, the, the Bible tells us that God can do exceedingly and abundantly more than whatever you could think or even imagine. This is what God can do. Can we open up our hearts and our lives 
so that we step forward into, what, into God's calling. Please don't be a person that's actually waiting for permission, waiting for, for eh? yeah, I have to remember that I have a new title, waiting for Bishop Gary. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to, and then, or waiting for Reverend George or somebody else to come and tell you, we have this ministry here, you need to go and, and, and serve. God is calling you. You have permission. Step out and serve Jesus. Our job is to equip you, to enable you, to become that support team that will make it better as you do this thing. And so please, you know, don't be there thinking around, oh, you have one Lord who is over you, who is over us all, and his name is Jesus. Colossians 1, verses 15 to 20. The Son... Jesus is the, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. You know, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things in heaven or things on earth, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Everything is through him. And the purpose of everything is found in him. It says, for him. This is what creation is for. It is for him. Everything. And God wants to reconcile all things to himself through the work of Christ. Everything. All that we see, all that we, we, we engage ourselves in, all of these things, everything, this place, these stones, the whatever, everything being brought under the subjection of Christ, the lordship of Christ, reconciled to God. This is why Jesus died. That shedding of his blood is bigger than you've been thinking. God has a huge agenda and he is concerned about everything. Your work, your shamba, your, your house, your car, everything, your job, all of those things. Wherever you are, it needs to start reflecting. You need to become an agent. You know, so whatever you're doing and whatever, it, you're, you, you're an agent. You should, that, your agent of that particular calling is the multiplication of followers of Jesus Christ. In Romans 8 the Bible tells us that all creation is groaning and waiting for the revelation of the children of God. It is the more the children of God who are acting and following Christ, the more this agenda that is God's, that huge agenda that covers every one of us, wherever our passions lie, you will find a place because in everything, God wants that reconciliation to be at work. And so this principle of disciple-making has to be at the center, multiplying human members of his kingdom. That's the basis of the Great Commission. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And there comes the promise, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And this is the promise of God's presence 
always together with us as we engage together with him in the work that he has called us to. Helping people find Christ and grow and become more like Jesus Christ. Becoming Christ-like disciples who are salt and light, who are serving as salt and light wherever they are, engaging the world. God says, I'm present. God has given the promise. It has already been given to you. And the one who calls you is faithful. He is faithful. So step forward. Sometimes what we are doing as we are called forward requires that we persevere, that we don't stop. In fact, for sure, we don't stop moving forward within God's will. We keep going. And as we are doing that within God's will, He will help you. He will help you. Isaiah 40, 30 and 31. Even youths grow tired and weary. And young men stumble and fall. But those who trust in the Lord will renew their strength. Trust God, guys. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. No matter what your circumstances, we may be in so many different kinds of circumstances, but as we trust in the Lord, we will be able to go to the very end. We will not fall because he walks together with us. Whether our place at the present time is soaring up there or we are running or our calling right now is walking, we will not fall. This is the promise of God. Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30, he said, to those of us who are weary, who are looking at these things, are feeling that burden, trust him, come to him. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He doesn't say that you're not going to have a yoke. You're not going to have something to do. You have something to do. But he is walking together with you. He is your yoke fellow. He is walking and he's strengthening you. And he says, as you walk together with him, there you will find rest for your soul. We live as a renewed people as we walk with him. 27 years, yes. Let's keep going. So step forward into the calling that God has called us into. Do not be satisfied with where you have reached. Go forward into God's call. Father in heaven, I just thank you so much. So, so much for your presence, for your promise, and for your calling. That we are a people who are never alone, and we have all the support that we need. It's just a blessing from you. You have given us everything. And your promise takes us forward and gives us security. We know that you will take us across. The one who made the heavens and the earth, he is not too weak. Oh, brothers and sisters, trust him. He is not too weak. And his promise is good. His promise is yes, it is amen in Christ Jesus. And then he has given us, Lord Jesus, thank you for giving us a calling so that our lives are with purpose. Our lives will achieve something that you will value. Our lives will make a difference. Our lives will be fruitful. Thank you for your calling and the guarantee that you support us to make that calling real. 
So bless us this year, 2023, with a powerful year, a year that we make a difference, that each of our lives, each of our lives will be powerful before you and will be impactful to many others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you so much. Has this message challenged you? We hope that it has been a blessing in your life. If you would like to give your life to Christ or talk to or pray with someone, kindly reach us on WhatsApp 0721 990 880. God bless you.